Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How in the heck did this Hamas attack go undetected by two of the supposed greatest intelligence agencies and intelligence operations in the West? Well, I think we've got an answer dating all the way back to about mm, 10 days ago. Oh, also, um, you're wondering why myself and others might be calling Marxism and its support for Hamas demonic? Well, we're going to take a look at uh, what would be more demonic than literally opposing every single aspect of Western culture mainly the Ten Commandments, which is kind of the framework of Western culture. Also, it's a WTF Wednesday featuring BLM Chicago and Rashida Tlaib. I'm Andrew Coppins, and this is Critical Thinking. Yes, indeed, we are here on a WTF Wednesday. Well, not we. I'm just used to having Pat alongside me, but uh, Pat is still out under the weather. Um, so I'm going to be flying solo one more time, possibly, maybe uh, tomorrow as well. And we'll see if he comes back for Friday's show. Um, you know, allergy season, change of the weather and all that stuff can be hell for a lot of people. But with that all having been said, folks, one of the questions that has been asked the most on the right, besides how insane is the Marxist left when it comes to um, Iran, when it comes to Hamas and its attack on Israel and literally the entirety of the West, including, by the way, people from Nepal, 10 of which died, and the Harvard Nepalese Student Law Center or whatever, um, deciding to back the people who killed their own fellow countrymen, but but let's let's uh, let's leave that alone for a moment. One of the biggest questions is how in the absolute hell was this not known? Israel caught completely off guard. 
they're one of the top two, three known Western intelligence agencies, and they never saw it coming. The Americans never saw it coming. How did that happen? How in the heck did it happen? It's it's a very interesting question. There's no doubt about it. But um, I need to go back to October 1st, a report in Tablet Magazine that reads, High-level Iranian spy ring busted in Washington. This is by Lee Smith, dated October 1st, 2023. And I think I have an answer for you in regards to how this actually was never found out. It is a three-pronged scenario that is at play. So before I get too deep into the weeds of this, I'm going to give you the three prongs. Number one is that Western intelligence has not been as good as advertised for the last quarter of a century. It failed to put together the pieces of the puzzle that were readily available if agencies just talked to each other and took each other seriously and took their information seriously when it came to 9-11, right? Let's take a look at Iraq and the WMDs. Whether you believe that they were moved to Syria, hidden, uh, whatever have you, whether you believe that to be the case or whether you believe they actually never had them, they had the capabilities but never actually made them, whatever that is, Western intelligence told us they were there. Western intelligence told us and justified the Iraq war based off of that entire scenario of WMDs and Saddam Hussein being insane enough to use them, having used them in the past, by the way. Okay. Turns out we never found them. Turns out we have no idea where they went. If they even existed, we got nothing. So that's the first prong is that our intelligence has been bad both here in America and throughout the West, that includes Israel, that includes MI5, that includes all of the people in British intelligence and European intelligence, whatever you want to call it, okay? We've been bad at getting it right. We've been bad at putting the actual pieces of the puzzle together. So that's prong one. Prong number two is that there's been a very big leftist bent to government in the West for a very long time now a bent that tends towards Marxism, a bent that tends towards socialism, whatever moniker you want to put on it. It is a bent towards oppressor versus oppressed society. It sees the world differently, and that skews the intelligence that you're getting. And then thirdly, they didn't see this coming because they didn't have the ability to see this coming because our efforts in Iran have been hindered by geopolitics and most importantly by an Iranian spy ring. 
Now, this is the most important part of this because what you need to know about the hindrance of these efforts is that, of course, Western intelligence has had spies in Iran, spies in the dissident movements within the Iranian people, right, for a very long time. That is where they're getting their intelligence on Iran from. There is no real standing diplomatic relationship and ability to, you know, insert people from the direct West into Iran and not stick out like a sore thumb, right? So they have long-standing relationships with the Iranian dissidents' movements. So what you need to know is that as of October 1st, we in America have had the information that there was a massive Iranian spy ring at some of the highest levels of American diplomacy and American government, by the way. That's right, direct Iranian spy ring. Not like um, one rogue individual. We're talking like better than Russia could have ever have done level of spy ring. Okay, so Hunt for Red October or whatever, Tom Clancy novel, whatever, whatever, okay? This is literally it coming to life. Think of the uh, FX show, The Americans, but with Iranians coming to life. But before I get into the spy ring, what you also need to know is that as they were uncovering this spy ring, American intelligence that was able to kind of silo off the quote-unquote spy ring people from knowing whom they were using as Iranian dissidents for intelligence purposes, once they figured this out, they knew that they were likely burnt. They took these Iranian dissidents, moved them to another country. They moved them to Albania. And what did Iran do? They hunted these dissidents down in Albania. They slaughtered them, took over 200 computers with massive troves of files, burning what? Western intelligence in the mix. So they literally took the dissidents, American, well, not American, but Iranian dissidents, moved them out of the country of Iran, the people doing the work to have known whether Iran was actually funneling money to Hamas for some sort of long-coordinated attack. <coughs> we, we took the boots on the ground out and off the ground, put them somewhere else. They were then slaughtered, okay? They were then taken, the computers, and every American spy, Burned. Everybody dealing with Iran burned. Likely all of the sources and methods of all sorts of Mossad or um, American intelligence burned. Meanwhile, this is coming from Tablet Magazine. The Iran envoy, Robert Malley, quote, the Biden administration has now suspended Iran envoy 
Robert Malley helped to fund, support, and direct an Iranian intelligence operation designed to influence the United States and allied governments, according to a trove of purloined Iranian government emails. The emails, which were reported on by veteran Wall Street Journal correspondent Jay Solomon, writing in Semaphore, and by Iran International, the London-based emigre opposition outlet, which is the most widely read independent news source inside Iran, were published last week after being extensively verified over a period of several months by two outlets. Again, this is so this was actually known in late September, none of us actually paying attention to it. But they show that Mali had helped to infiltrate an Iranian agent of influence named Ariana Tabatabia into some of the most sensitive positions in the US government, first at the State Department and now the Pentagon where she has been serving as chief of staff for the assistant secretary of defense for special operations, namely Christopher Meyer. That's right. An Iranian spy is in our special ops in the department of defense. The very people who would likely would have carried out any sort of covert operation against the Iranian regime. Literally, an American citizen, a high-level Biden-appointed official, was an Iranian spy putting his people in high-level positions of our defense department. On Thursday, Meyer told the Congressional Committee that the Defense Department is, quote, actively looking into whether all law and policy was properly followed in granting my chief of staff top-secret special compartmented information. The emails, which were exchanged over a period of several years between Iranian regime diplomats and analysts, show that Tabatabia was part of a regime propaganda unit set up in 2014 by the Iranian Foreign Ministry. The Iranian Experts Initiative, the IEI, tasked operatives drawn from the Iranian dysphoria, or diaspora, excuse me, communities to promote Iranian interest during the clerical regime's negotiations with the United States over its nuclear weapons program back in 2014. Though several of the IEI operatives and others named in the emails have sought to portray themselves on social media as having engaged with the regime in their capacity as quote-unquote academic experts, or in order to promote better understanding between the United States and Iran, none has questioned the veracity of the emails. The contents of the emails are damning, showing a group of Iranian-American academics being recruited by the Iranian regime, meeting together in foreign countries to receive instructions from top regime officials and pledging their personal loyalty to the regime. Folks, go watch The American. I know it's about the 70s and... Um, and the Cold War and a Russian spy ring inside of American intelligence and this, that, and everything else, okay? I know that it's about Russia, but watch it. We are literally seeing in front of our face since 2014 that Iran is doing the Americans to us. They are literally doing a television show in real life. They also show, according to this article, how these operatives use their Iranian heritage and Western academic position, 
positions to influence U.S. policy towards Iran. First as quote-unquote outside experts, and then from high-level U.S. government posts. And this is the this is the important part. Malley's role in all of this was as a high-level ranking Biden official. And he was pulling the strings. And he was placing all of these different Iranian operatives into positions of power within knowingly, by the way, that they were Iranian operatives into various positions of strategic power within the American bureaucracy. It continues saying um, that they then from high-level U.S. government posts, both inside and outside of the government, the efforts of members of this circle were repeatedly supported and advanced by Mali, who served as the U.S. government's chief interlocutor with Iran under both the Obama and Biden administrations. Folks, what do we know about what took place in the Obama and the Biden administration? Iran deal, Iran deal, Iran deal, Iran deal. Give them money, give them money, hostage, blah, 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 right? Normalization of their ability to do what? Create weapons of mass destruction, to create a nuclear program, right? How does that happen? It happens because it turns out you have to turn to people who might have expertise in areas that you don't as the president, right? You you have to trust advisors. You have to trust these people. And the very people that they were supposed to turn to were Iranian spies. Mali, quote, is also the former head of the international crisis group, the ICG, which directly paid and credentialed several key members of the regime's influence operation. The IEI, according to a 2014 email from one Iranian official to one of Iran's lead nuclear negotiators, quote, consisted of a core group of six to ten distinguished second-generation Iranians who have established affiliation with the leading international think tanks. That's right. They were using literally the Americans. They were using our think tanks, our government bureaucracy against us. The network was funded and supported by an Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps official, Mustafa Zarahini, who was the point of contact between IEI operatives and Iran's then foreign minister, Javed Zafar, or Zarif, excuse me. According to the correspondence, the IEI recruited several U.S.-based analysts, including Tapatapia, Ali Vaiz, and Dina, uh, Dina, or Dina Esfandiari all of whom willingly accepted Iranian guidance. These Middle East experts were then sub subsequently hired, credentialed, supported, and funded by Mali and the ICG, where he was president from January of 2018 until January of 2021 when he joined the Biden administration. Mali was also ICG's program director for Middle East and North Africa before the uh, before the Obama administration tapped him in February 2014 to run the negotiations for the Iran nuclear deal. That's right, folks. The person who ran the negotiations was already an Iranian spy running a spy ring within our own country. The people that Obama and Biden handed the keys to the Iranian negotiations was an Iranian spy. Our intelligence couldn't figure that out. The vetting process. Oopsies. We just happened to have somebody in there who uh, was doing the bidding of the Iranian National 
card. Now, emails quoted in the story show that even once in government, Malley directed Vias, uh, Vias's actions at ICG, sending him to Vienna, where the Iranian and U.S. teams held nuclear negotiations. Quote, following the order of his previous boss, Malley, Ali Vies, will come to Vienna. Zarahini reportedly wrote Zarif in April, on April 3rd, 2014. Who from our group do you instruct to have a meeting with him? Vies wrote Zarif directly after the Iranian foreign minister expressed dissatisfaction with an ICG report on Iran. Quote, as an Iranian, based on my national and patriotic duty, I have not hesitated to help you in any way from proposing to your excellency a public campaign against the notion of nuclear breakout to assisting your team in preparing reports on practical needs of Iran. Now, um, after the Iran, Iran deal, formerly known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the JCPOA, was finalized in July of 2015, ICG hired another IEI operative as a consultant, Adnan Tabatabia, not to be confused with Pentagon official Ariana Tabatabia. Like Vaez, Adnan Tabatabia also pledged to dedicate his efforts to the Iranian regime. Now, in early 2021, shortly before he joined the Biden administration, Mali brought a third IEI operative, Dina Esfandiari, into the ICG. ICG did not respond by press time to Tablet's email requesting comment. But in February of 2021, Mali hired Ariana Tabatabia to join his Iran team at the State Department. The emails document her cloying determination to prove her worth to the Iranian regime. Shortly after the 2014 meeting in Vienna, Ariana Tabatabia sent Zarahini a link to an article that she co-authored with Esfandiari. Excuse me. Quote, as I mentioned last week, Dina and I wrote an article about the nuclear fuel of Bashir nuclear power plant for the bulletin, which was published today. Our goal was to show what is said in the West, that Iran does not need more than 1,500 centrifuges, is wrong and that Iran should not be expected to reduce the number of its centrifuges. Zarahini then forwarded the email. Blah, blah, blah. Now, Peter Thoreau, a veteran Mideast analyst who is now a re uh, retired CIA officer, where he was awarded the Career Intelligence Medal for his service during 25 years at the agency, says, quote, I know what a spy ring looks like. And this is how recruited assets speak to their handling officers. There's lots of the mute music around that correspondence saying, let me know what you need me to collect. It seems clear who's the subordinate here, what you'd call responsive to tasking. In response to a tablet email requesting comment on Mali's and Tabatabia's role in an Iranian spy ring, a State Department spokesman wrote, quote, we have seen the Semaphore article, which does not presume it was a spy ring and reject that characterization. Rob Malley remains on leave and we have no further comment due to privacy considerations. The Biden-Harris administration appointed Ariana Tabatabia to serve various roles in the U.S. government because of her expertise on nuclear and other foreign policy issues. The Defense Department did not respond to, uh, by press time, requesting comment on Ariana Tabatabia's role in an Iranian spy ring. That's right, the Biden administration is denying that a spy ring existed within its own government. 
Now, obviously, that is egg on the face, and do you really want to admit to that? But folks, like I said, you want to know the answer to why the U.S., why the Israeli intelligence, why anybody in the West never saw this coming? It's because they had people who were operating on behalf of Iran and then knowing that there were those people burned the Iranian dissidents who were able to give them the information that would have likely put the pieces of this puzzle together, they move them out of the country, therefore killing their ability to get this level of intelligence. This level of, hey, by the way, um, they're sending a lot of money over to Hamas. You might want to pay attention. So, folks, I think you get the picture here. We literally were being played by Iran the entire time. Now, the U.S. government can try to claim that this wasn't a spy ring all they want. The reality is that this is classic, literally, as I have said, television stuff. This is classic spy ring. And we fell for it. That's how we missed this. That's how we missed 9-11. Not that there was a... Um, you know, Al-Qaeda spying, but that we couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together because we weren't talking to each other because we weren't thinking outside the box in any way, shape, or form. And that the places that we were gathering intelligence from were not really producing the way that they should have. And in this case, we literally hamstrung ourselves from the ability to have gotten this information because of our own actions. That is a really harsh reality. But folks, I, I also had another revelation that we need to kind of discuss here. And, and that involves yesterday's program where I talked about why, why is it that not all Marxists are Hamas members, but everybody who seems to be supporting Hamas in the West are all Marxists, right? Why? I got to thinking about this, and I've seen the, the take that it's because Marxism is demonic. It's because this is all demonic, and that birds of demonic feathers flock together, right? But then I thought to myself, wait a minute, is that really true? Like, let's critically think through this. Is Marxism really demonic? And then I remembered BLM, BLM Inc.'s manifesto about community-raised children, how the answer to fatherless homes is not the nuclear family. We got to nuke the nuclear family. Um, abortion, on demand, whenever, wherever, blah, 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 blah. And then I got to thinking about it. Marxism is not just a political ideology that a lot of people on the left would like you to believe it to be. Marxism is actually a world view. And since it's Wednesday on this program, it's a Worldview Wednesday, right? Along with our WTF segment and all that. So I wanted to go through the, the competing worldview because there's no doubt that it is that this nation was created on Judeo-Christian values, especially the Ten Commandments. When you think about how the government was formed and how society formulated itself, there's no question about that. So I wanted to go through this. 
Let's go through the Ten Commandments and then ask yourself, is Marxism as a philosophy, ideology, worldview in line with or demonically opposed to or demonstrably opposed to a Judeo-Christian worldview? So, the first of the Ten Commandments, you shall now you shall have no other gods before me. This is an easy one. They worship the state over everything. In fact, when we take a look at Marxism and when we take a look at socialist, Marxist, communist, whatever version of Marxism you want to discuss, it is always an attack on religious belief, first and foremost. The only thing that matters is the state. They all put the state above everybody else. There can be no room for God. And I talk about this all the time. When you go to Dachau, if you go to Munich and go to Dachau, get a guided tour, by the way. Um, I've got a really great tour guide that we had who talked about this, who gave us the, the real history there of why you see on the left, the Protestant, on the right, the Jewish, and on in the middle, the Catholic memorials. It's because more Catholics were killed than Jews at Dachau. It, because more Protestants were killed at Dachau than Jews at Dachau. That's not the case everywhere else. But they were looking to kill religion off. All right, so the second commandment, that you shall make no idols, right? I mean, under socialism, is there anything other, more idea, is there any bigger idol than the state? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. As um, as uh, an article I read pointed out, idols are anything that take the place of God in the hierarchy of values, right? That's what, that's what they're talking about. That's what is being talked about by God when he delivers this to Moses. They're not just the golden calf or whatever. It is anything that takes the place of God in the hierarchy of your values. Under socialism, sheer power over one's fellow man is the idol. 
building a utopian society, right? The unicorn of government because such perfect societies, society under socialism, Marxism, communism, fascism, whatever label you want to give it, the goal is the perfection of a machine, right? Of a society. And why does it never work? Because it is antithetical to God's will. Because man is imperfect. Then let's go to the third one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, when socialists take over a culture, it becomes depraved and perverse. We've seen that all over the world. Whether you want to talk about Mao and his cultural revolution, whether you want to talk about uh, Stalin and Lenin in communist Russia, whether you want to talk about the Nazis or the fascist movements all throughout Europe, whatever you want to talk about, everywhere they go, depravity and perverseness reign. They blaspheme God. They take away your ability to worship. They, they literally will bomb churches. They will blaspheme against God. How about keep the Sabbath day holy? There is no recognition of the Sabbath in a socialist society. It is just another day. In fact, oftentimes the people that end up going to church and still worship and still fight the socialist regime by going to those churches are rounded up, persecuted, destroyed, put into concentration camps time and time again in all of human history. So that's one for one, two for two, three for three, four for four, as literally antithetical to Judeo-Christian values, to a world view. How about honoring your father and your mother? The very fabric of socialism. And this is part and parcel of the idea that leftists took over the academic arena in. It's because they recognize the one thing, the one truth about socialism is that you have to destroy the family, the nuclear family. You have to destroy that relationship. It is why you see, if you take a look at the, the trans um, and gender ideology movement alongside the um, BLM side of things, right? It's because they go hand in hand with this concept of you have to destroy and break down the familial relationships and the bond. You have to make the children feel like the oppressed and the parents the oppressor. I mean, just look at their own words in Marxism, writing essays, explaining the need to do away with fidelity in marriage to assign children to the state. BLM Inc., it's literal manifesto that they now hide but exist in memoriam. Their literal manifesto says it is we must break the nuclear family and have a community-raised effort for children. There's no honoring your father and your mother in a Marxist socialist society, period, point blank. You shall not murder. Um, see here, we're, 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 we're batting a thousand on antithetical to a Judeo-Christian worldview. 
You shall not murder. Now, this is not to say, by the way, that is not to, you shouldn't kill for any reason, by the way. That is absolutely a misreading of, of what this was. But abortion, socialists support it. The Hamas terrorist movement, socialists support it. The entire history of their quote-unquote revolutions are always bloody. Kristallnacht, the night of long knives in Nazi Germany, the concentration camps. Now, there's a difference between murdering and killing. And what do I mean by that? Well, if somebody is attacking you and you're about to die, do you have the right to kill that individual? Yeah. You don't just sit there and take that. I'm just going to, yeah, go ahead, kill me. No. That's not what God is saying. God is saying you don't go out and willfully kill others. You don't murder for the sake of murdering. How about you shall not commit adultery? Well, guess what? Again, free love, this idea of community sex and pansexual and this and that, all supported by far, far left extremist socialist Marxists. How about the fact that they wrote about uh, the breaking of marital fidelity all the way back to the Communist Manifesto and Karl Marx's time in the 1800s? They literally believe in anti-fidelity. They do not believe in marriage as being a good thing. Why? Because marriage would come above what? The state. And all things must come under the state. You shall not steal. I, I Come on now. Socialism? Socialism is literally about taking from those who have wealth and redistributing it to those who don't have it in the pursuit of everybody being even and equal. Except for that can never be the case. And we all know that. Somebody else is controlling the fruits of somebody else's labor. That is literally stealing. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbors. Socialism is built on a mountain of lies, a mountain of turning people in, a mountain of literally turning uh, kids against their parents, 1984 style, right? Turn your kids in. Turn your parents in if they speak ill of the state. We've got Stories ad nauseum of that all over Nazi Germany, all over um, fascist Italy, all over Egypt and North Africa, in the Middle East. We've got those stories in Russia. We've got those stories in South America and in Central America. You shall not covet, again, with stealing. Its main tenet, the main point, is enviousness, is envy of those who have over those who, quote-unquote, have not. They stoke resentment. They stoke a fear and resentment against those who have a little bit more. They use violence to covet what others have, to take it, to grasp it, put it under state control. Think about Cain and Abel. Out of envy for Abel's success, what did Cain do? He was the one that had God's favor. Cain was pissed, murdered Abel. Adam and Eve, right? 
They had to disobey God because they lacked his power. They were envious of the power that God had. John 8, 44, folks, when he lies, this is Satan that Jesus speaks of in John 8, 44. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So yes, at the very basic core of socialism is lies. Therefore, it is demonic. So birds of that demonic feather flock together, folks. That is the reality that is in front of us. It 1,000% is the reality of socialism. It is the reality of Marxism. It is built on a house of lies. Therefore, it automatically is demonic. But literally, every one of the Judeo-Christian Ten Commandment value worldview is antithetical to socialism. It is why when we watch these socialists march and do what they did at George Washington University, a vigil for the Palestinian martyrs. That's right. They view them as martyrs on a campus of, a American, of an American university called George Washington University. Look, you want to have your speech? Have it. But when people actually ask them to verify that they were okay with what took place, by the way, the, the reporting yesterday is some of the most gruesome that we've seen. The report in one kibbutz, 30 babies murdered, beheaded, ungodly things allegedly done to the bodies of these babies. There's no redeeming value. There's no two-state solution. There is no redemption for that level of demonic evil. And if you sit on the side of free Palestine and this is a Jew's fault, you've already unmasked your anti-Semitism, but now you're you are unmasking the very demonic nature of the worldview that you hold, which is what? Socialist Marxist. At its very core, it is Satan. You want to know why you need to oppose Marxism? Because at its core, it is demonic. At its core, it is antithetical to a Judeo-Christian worldview. And if you believe that that Judeo-Christian worldview holds value, brings us government that brings peace and quote-unquote coexistence. As long as the agreed-upon terms exist, cool. Can we agree that the Ten Commandments, at a very minimum, are things that we should, should at least try to ascribe our society through? <coughs> that... Maybe God is the ultimate power, not the state. And that the state is supposed to be subservient to the people. And that the people are supposed to be subservient to God. If we can't agree to that 
Judeo-Christian worldview, which definitely founded this country, period, point blank, whether you are Catholic, whether you are um, a pilgrim, uh, you know, member of the Anglican Church, a Quaker, whatever have you, whether you are a Jew or a Christian, there is a commonality based off of those Ten Commandments. But Marxism and its offshoots within the Islamic world holds this to be even antithetical to actual real religious teaching of the Islamic world because they hold most of this to be true too, by the by. Is it any wonder that those who hold this demonic worldview of Marxism would be able to also slaughter three-month-old babies, just chop their heads off? We're going to get into a response of this in a little bit because this is also a WTF Wednesday. So I have an idea. Why don't we dive right on in to said WTF Wednesday? All right. So we spoke of the demonic nature of Marxism and its socialist, communist, fascist, different ideations. We spoke about that, right? Well, I've got more proof for you. And this comes from the BLM Chicago organization. The Anti-Defamation League, white supremacist leaders are openly celebrating Hamas's attack on Israel, cheering explicit depictions of violence against Israelis and promoting brutality against Jews worldwide. Read more from our Center on Extremism. BLM Chicago, at BLM Chicago. That is all. That is it. And it is a picture of I Stand with Palestine. And it's a Palestinian plague on top of a Hamas person parachuting in. EDL, are you sure? Now, that is true, by the way, that there are white supremacist leaders who are cheering this on because they're anti-Semites, because they're also, most of them, socialists. Most of them actually believe in socialism too. It is the tie that binds all of this extremist bullshit together. That's the point in all of this, folks, is that these are all birds of the same Marxist feather. That Therefore, they flock together. It's why when you sit there and you watch what happened at George Washington, when you watch the squad and other leaders have ambiguous talking points or don't say anything at all, it's why you get mad when you see politicians like Tim Hernandez do what he did, the the congressman from... Um, Colorado, where he literally just refuses to answer as to whether he supports the Hamas terrorists or not. Look, it is very simple. If the answer is no, if the answer isn't no, if the answer is that no, I do not support these terrorist activities, no, I do not support the killing of innocent civilians, if the answer is not an unequivocal no and an immediate no, it's all I need to know about you and where you stand. You stand on the side of the demonic. And I ain't with you. But the Anti-Defamation League 
wants us to ignore BLM, Black Lives Matter. Why? Because, hmm, ADL turns out it has a large Marxist bent to it. But I'm not done, lest you think that that was just a one-off from BLM Chicago. This is from their Facebook page, and Wokeness put this out there. BLM Chicago posted this on, on Facebook. They want to bring these methods here too. And what it is, if you're not watching on our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Again, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. They note, but surely there are other nonviolent methods Palestinians could use? Question mark. Stop telling Palestinians how to resist. South Africa didn't liberate itself from apartheid nonviolently. Algeria didn't end French colonization of their country nonviolently. You are not telling Ukrainians to use nonviolence with Russia. Palestinians have a legal right to resist. Now, I might say to you, folks, um, um, apartheid kind of did end nonviolently. Now, were there periods of absolute violence from, wait for this, the Marxist, socialist, quote-unquote, parties within the black communities in South Africa? Absolutely there was. But again, the thread, the tie that binds this all together, Marxists. We, don't forget, we played this, right? Uh, video of the, um, I forget the name of the, the party, but they had this big rally inside of a stadium in Johannesburg, South Africa, where they literally said, kill the whites, kill the boars, kill the farmers. <coughs> kill the white farmer, kill the boars. Turns out these people are violent, revolutionary Marxists. That's who this party has been and always will be. Whether that's quote-unquote black liberation, the tie that binds is Marxism. It's violence. It's destructive, demonic nature. Now, one person who might have something to say on this should be Rashida Tlaib, who is a quote-unquote Palestinian-American. Right? She represents a district in Michigan who, by the way, Dearborn, Michigan, um, has a massive, like it is about 90% Islamic, 90% Arab. And it's been partying like it's 1699 or 699. Yeah, that's right. They've been partying it up in support of Hamas. But she had this. Somebody finally confronted and said, I, I demand to know. I demand to know what you think. Chopping off babies' heads, burning children 
no comment about children's heads being chopped off. Congressman, why do you have the Palestinian flag outside your office if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel? Do Israeli that was a good piece of journalism, and, and most people don't understand this. In, in support of a story, in support of doing things, you have to ask really tough questions. You might have to know that you're not likely to get a response, but not getting a response is part of the story, right? Rashida Tlaib flying the Palestinian flag, then not condoning or not condemning, I should say, what took place when Hamas slaughtered innocents. You want us to believe in the oppressor versus oppressed narrative, but in order for us to get there, do we not have to believe that you are on some sort of moral high ground, right? Do you or do you not lose the moral high ground when you slaughter innocent people? who have nothing to do with your quote-unquote oppression. Ironically, when you talk to people from Israel who have lived there, you'll find there are people of all races, nationalities, all sorts of, of uh, religious beliefs living freely, openly. Um, they even have an Islamic uh, party or an Arab party within the Israeli government. <coughs> Turns out, kind of weird that the people of Gaza and the West Bank, Jordan doesn't want them, Egypt builds a wall, everywhere they go, nobody wants them. Huh. It's, it's almost as if the, the government that Hamas leads as a terrorist organization has kind of hurt their own people. And it's really difficult to talk about the murdering of innocent lives from the Israelis when when your side does it to this scale, and then more importantly, um, uses hospitals, women, children, um, innocent civilian places as homes for their terrorist activities, and then portrays it as if they're the victim doesn't work very well. You can't possibly just sit there and say, yeah, I condemn the slaughtering of innocents, that demonic, bloodthirsty bastards who did what they did have no place in representing the, the Palestinian people and their fight, quote-unquote, against the oppressed or against the oppressors. They've got no leg to stand on. This is not how we do this. How hard is that, Rashida Tlaib? How hard is it? Well, it's very hard when Hamas, Rashida Tlaib, what are they? Marxists. Birds of the same Marxist feather will always flock together. This is the theme that has been flying through my head, if you will. This is, I can't, you want to know why? You want the answer? This is why. This is Satan at work through that demonic worldview of Marxism. This is how you get there. 
How in the blue hell, who in the real religious Islamic world sees this as a path towards Allah, towards a godly life? Nobody. That's the point. Their guiding principle is not this type of a godly worldview. It is Marxism as its worldview in place of God. So think about that on this WTF Wednesday. With that, hopefully Pat will be back tomorrow. I will let you know. But you can follow me on on X. You can find me on Facebook. I'm at The Coppins Show. Until next time, please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547.